0: Today we're talking about how we can foster a family environment where children are more independent and why autonomy is the end goal.
1: Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family.
0: Each week we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are
1: taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts Vicky and Nicky from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure.
0: Before we start, we'd like to invite you to share this episode on social media so that we can help get more children outdoors reaping the benefits of nature.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. We're your hosts, Vicky Oliver and Nikki Farrell. One of the most common questions we get as both educators and parents is how can I get my child to be more independent? Often as parents, especially the stay-at-home parent, We need time every day to get our chores done, and many of these chores get done quicker if we don't have children hanging off our boobs or our legs. So, how do we raise independent children who are capable of looking after themselves? Well, today we're going to give you some insights into how we do it. And just so
0: you know, both of us are at home alone with our children right now, and mine are jumping off the couch doing some kind of wrestling game. So that's, if you can hear thuds in the background, that's my independent children entertaining themselves right now. What are your girls up
1: to? Uh, They are making slime on the table, I'm pretty sure. I'm not actually sure. I'm actually not sure what they do most of the time. But whatever they're doing, they are thoroughly entertained and they are safe and... (laughs) And
0: and you have let go of expectations and know full well that there may be some mess, but getting our work done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Living what we preach.
0: Now we both each have two children as mentioned and they're six and eight now so while we're entering the golden years of childhood where they're independent and they still love and respect Mm -hmm. us this started from birth and it hasn't always been easy but the fact that we've persisted through those years has led to us both having really independent children now. Today we'll be covering five things that we do to help foster independence Mm -hmm. in our own children. So
1: the first way in which we've really encouraged our children to be independent is to allow them to make choices. Now that has been in a range of different areas within our family life, from cooking dinner to when they're having their showers to even having a say when it comes to where we go and what we do to an extent where we can.
0: Just to note that this isn't permissive parenting. This is allowing choice and autonomy and a little bit of freedom so that we're empowering children rather than constantly Mm. taking their power away. So um, I've got one fussy eater. And so at dinner time, if he doesn't like what's put in front of him, then his choice uh, for dinner is to go and get himself a carrot or some snow peas or some other vegetable. So it's not no dinner, no dessert, and it's not no dinner, go to bed. It's Okay, you don't like it. That's fine, but you still need to fuel your body with something good. Here's your choice of vegetables. Yeah, what would and we've
1: you like? done at least something very similar in our family as well, and that has started to evolve more into you can help us choose what we're having for dinner, so we make sure that there is mm. something that she likes to eat throughout our meal planning during the week. And then, um, in addition to that, she enjoys cooking, so encouraging her to help with the cooking encourages her to also try and eat the food that we're cooking and and a third Mm. part of that which i know that you're doing as well nikki is allowing them to cook something for themselves so we're teaching them how to make meals Mm -hmm. that's meals that they're capable of making for themselves and then they can do that as an alternative as well
0: our i think both of our i can't remember what age both of our children started cooking themselves Mm. scrambled eggs or poached eggs and you know um banana pancakes and things like that so I struggle in the mornings personally. So when two children wanted something different to what I wanted for breakfast and they couldn't do the do it themselves, the answer to me was if you want it, that's great. Well, let's mm. teach you how to cook it. So my youngest is six now and he, oh, well, not quite six, but he's been cooking pancakes for himself since he was five. And, yes, we've had a few very mm. minor burns, but he, that's, again, part of learning how to cook and it's the best way to learn that things are hot. <laughs>
1: And so there is this very big element of trust and understanding that, that our children are capable and also being okay with our children, not getting things right, making a mess and, mm. and potentially hurting themselves, which can be very difficult for mm. some people to let go of that idea of, of intentionally putting a child in a situation that is risky
0: because the payoff is independent children who become independent mm-hmm. adults. As an outdoor recreation teacher, I can't tell you how many teenagers I saw come through camps that hadn't, didn't know how to load yeah. a washing machine, had never cooked themselves anything before. Some of them had never even loaded a mm. dishwasher. So it took them to come to camp in their late teen years to learn some really basic life skills. And one of the things we don't want to do is to raise adults who are dependent on their partners to yep. look after them and to house exactly. Care for them. Exactly. And
1: at the end of the day, too, the more capable your children are to help around the house, the less the burden sits on us to do everything for everyone. So there is a long term mm-hmm. gain for us as parents and as caregivers and as housemakers and all of the other roles that we take on. If we can lessen that burden on ourselves and we share that responsibility then we can, we will benefit from that. Our partners will benefit from that and our children will ultimately mm-hmm. benefit from that as well. And then further along, the people that are in the, in relationships with our children, whether that's, you know, romantic relationships or even just house sharing, everyone will benefit. Mm. So it, it's starting young is definitely the key.
0: And on that is that children love purposeful work. They want to feel responsible and they want to feel as though they're contributing to the household in some way. And when we take that away from them, we have find these children that sometimes can expect things to be done for them and lack purpose within the home. Another way that we have helped foster this independence within our children is that we do let our children struggle. I'm going to put in brackets there, safely. (laughs) So, for example, if they're climbing trees and they've gone too high, we don't just automatically rescue them. Yes, we'll stay down below them to make sure that they're safe. Yes, we'll help coach them and talk them through it. So, you know, you're a bit too high. I actually can't help you right now. What can you do to get yourself down? Um, Being that emotional but not physical support to help them troubleshoot their own problems but not doing it for them, so they might be uncomfortable, but we're also trying to raise resilient children and to know that they are capable of problem solving anything that comes their way and that we're there to help them, but we can't work these things out for yeah, them. Yeah, and the it can time. be
1: even as simple as if they spill the water on the table. You can say, Oh, that's okay, the cloth's in the drawer, go grab that, mop it up give them a little bit of direction of how to do it. And over time, the next time they spill their drink, they're going to be able to go, they'll go straight to the drawer, get the cloth and wipe it up themselves without you Mm -hmm. having to say anything.
0: There's very much uh, almost a Montessori philosophy through trying to raise and foster independence in that one of the best ways to enable it is to make sure that they have those tools accessible. So like you said, making sure the rags or the cloths are accessible Mm -hmm. so that they can clean without saying, "Mom, can you get me the cloth or can you get me the dustpan and broom? yeah making things accessible the third way that we foster independence is by making sure that we have age-appropriate tools
1: one of the big key things that we've had in our house is we call them steppers so anywhere that Mm. they need to access something in the house we my first go-to response is where's the stepper so whether it's in the in the bathroom because our sink's a little bit difficult to maneuver and reach just because of the shape of it. So if they need to brush their teeth or wash their hands, there's the stepper there. So I don't need to be in there turning the taps on for them. I don't need to be in there reaching things for them because they've got access. Same within the kitchen Mm. or anywhere else where they might need. Even sometimes they need to go out to the car and get something and I'll be like, grab the stepper, get the keys because the keys are up high. So they they can Mm. actually do that for themselves. So I'm not the one that's constantly having to do those things for them. So it is that, again, another way of fostering that independence and directing them to ways in which they can help themselves.
0: Some of the other tools that we have within our homes is we have kitty cutters, which are really safe knives that look like saws, but you can run them over your skin actually and they won't cut. But they'll cut things like mushrooms and bananas. So they're really great introductory knives to teach children how to hold uh, fruit and vegetables safely, mm. and the soaring motion. We sell them on our online shop, and I give them yeah. to everybody. They're just so, they're yeah,
1: so great. I've they've had comments um, from people like, "Oh, I don't think that my child will really need that, will want that." And then next time you see them, oh my goodness, they absolutely love their kitty cutter. It just gives them, it just it, mm. makes, it fills them with so much confidence. And there's something really special about feeling trusted by an adult to use an adult tool.
0: Yeah, and that's it. And, again, giving them purposeful work. So when they're helping us, our fussy eaters are helping us mm. cook dinners, then I've got mine cutting mushrooms. He doesn't eat mushrooms but he'll eat them raw so he'll cut them and have a little nibble, won't eat them cooked, but there's just another way to help with that yeah. fussy eating and, and including him and feeling purposeful.
1: We, uh, My daughter absolutely loves being able to be creative on the move so we have given her a pocket knife and it is something that has allowed her to have access to a range of different tools when she needs it especially because she's always asking for scissors she's always asking for something to cut something with or or a screwdriver so now she's got her own little tool that she can use that's in her backpack Mm -hmm. she knows where all of her things are that she needs in order to create the most wonderful masterpieces and really strange ideas that she has but (laughs) she has everything that she needs in order to do that and she can get so excited about that on her own without having to drag me away from what I'm doing in order to be able to create that for
0: herself. Mm, That's right just access those resources to be to light that creativity that fire.
1: And on that note, we have spent a lot of time making sure she knows how to use that safely. So it's not like we just handed her a pocket knife yeah. and said, Go if you like, sweetheart. We have spent a lot of time, mm. obviously, she comes to forest school. She knows uh, knife safety, she knows how to carry it, how to open it, how to maintain it. And for those people wondering how to start, a really
0: good way to get children to start is with a simple mm. vegetable peeler. We sell really lovely, fancy uh, wood peelers, but you can simply start with a vegetable peeler and you can get them uh, starting on a green stick. And that way, they're learning how to sit safely. They're learning how to put their hands on the stick safely. It's a really great introductory tool before you hand and them And then,
1: a even knife. before that, you might want to introduce them to helping you peel carrots or potatoes or zucchinis again while mm. you're cooking. So it it's one of those things that you need to I, like. I've really had to spend a lot of time letting go of my time management and and the mess around that that particular around cooking. Because I want them to be able to help. I want them to be able to have those skills. So uh, it's about being very purposeful around that activity.
0: So another thing that I've done recently, which I wish I had have done over a year ago, was I've given the boys access to Band-Aids and a rollerball diet with tea tree oil and coconut oil diluted. And that's their miniature first aid kit that I have no qualms in them using on their own because... Once or twice a day, a couple of times a week at least, they're coming to me to get the first aid kit, which is too high for them to reach, even with their really handy stepping stool, and it takes me away for an injury that generally doesn't even need <laughs> a hug. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I've cut myself. I just need a Band-Aid. Mum, can you get me a Band-Aid? I'm like, oh, yes you needed a hug I'm all there yeah, I'm all for it, like it but you just need a band-aid <laughs> and now I have to leave my seat so we've just put that in their bedroom and they know that they're not to mm. expend them all you know that's it's only for for blood it has to be for blood <laughs> <laughs> and so far that's been great I mean this week alone I have not had to get out, out of my seat three that's times it. for a band-aid and
1: I um, another thing that I did yeah. too for the girls was I bought them really small first aid kits that they put in their backpacks and Absolutely Mm -hmm. love that, and they will actually go uh, and grab splinter probes, and they will remove their own splinters, which is brilliant. Because I don't know about you, but when I remove a splinter from my child, it is like they are being murdered. So (laughs) I don't know
0: how the police haven't been called (laughs) from my splinter removal. (laughs) It's
1: it's it's really uh, hectic. So now they are quite capable of being able to do that themselves, and like like you said with band aids, they've got everything that they need, and it's been one of those moments where we've been in situations where other children have helped themselves and my children have been able to say I've got a first aid kit I'll go get you something and then they've been able to feel purposeful for other children.
0: I remember when your girls got those Mm. backpacks the adventure backpacks were the first aid kits and for the first two weeks at Forest Kindy they were just they were (laughs) the nurses the first aid and paramedics it was was. so good. And (laughs)
1: then like you know you have those moments of just immense pride because you can see mm. that skill set that you know you want your children to have is actually coming to fruition before your eyes. So it's incredibly, mm. incredibly important to be able to allow them. It's such a, it's such a necessary mm. life skill. And if they, if
0: they've learnt not to panic at the sight of blood by the time they're yeah. six and seven, then yeah, I'm really happy yeah, with that. Absolutely. <laughs> And one of the other tools that we use regularly is we have a little dust buster, like a miniature mm. vacuum cleaner because the big one is too cumbersome for children under, say, five, as much as my children like using it, whereas if they've made a mess, they've spilt dirt mm. out of their pockets like every other child in the,
1: in the world. <laughs>
0: and out of their shoes then they now know that they can just go grab the dustbuster and clean that up themselves without um, my help.
1: And then it's late. been a bit of a learning curve as well alongside this so when we talk about these strategies it's not like we nail it every time because I know that sometimes <clears throat> we fall into the trap of nagging and making them feel a little bit ashamed or guilty for not being able to do what we want them to do so there has been a progression of us Mm. to actually find it within ourselves to teach them these skills without the shame and the guilt and the anger that can sometimes come with the frustration around teaching our children life skills Mm. so it's not like you go out and try this for yourself and like oh my gosh it's it is difficult it is
0: yeah it was for those couple of years and even now obviously we're still teaching the kids things but um those early years particularly a two and three year old when they think they know everything and they want to do everything but they won't listen to you it can be yeah. really frustrating but
1: when they master it it's yeah really and I mean I still it. get clapbacks of no I'm not no no I won't do that yeah yeah. and then you know we have further <laughs> conversations about that's so your responsibility when when things happen when mess happens when whatever it is that you've done has happened there mm. is responsibility and consequences for that
0: that's right. It doesn't just affect you; it affects exactly. the household. So it needs to exactly. Get with.
1: One of the other key things we've really adopted in order to foster this independence is that we have had to release expectations around what our children are capable of doing. So we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about how children, how we can encourage children to do things for themselves, but there is a line between what they are actually capable of doing and what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. So we have to constantly remind ourselves that at certain ages, children are not capable of understanding or of knowing to clean up after themselves. They are going to need lots of reminders. Mm. They are not always going to have the level-headed adult brain on their shoulders, and so we need to constantly coach them through this. So when, when we release those expectations of what they should do, It makes it a lot easier for us to make space within ourselves to take the time to teach them the skills that they need and to be patient.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: to embrace the mess because it is the only way they'll
0: learn. Yeah, it's the only way a child is going to learn to make banana pancakes is to occasionally drop an egg on the floor. (laughs) <laughs> we look, we've sacrificed a few eggs in our banana pancake making lessons, but now, honestly, my six year- old makes me pancakes. Mm. It's the yeah. best ever. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. And uh, I know that particularly if you you know the mess bothers you, this can be a really hard one to let go of. Uh, mm. but it is worth it in the end to allow them to the experiment and to have some time to be allowed to make the mess. I know that um, it, it does mm. cause me great anxiety when we're making cakes, or like I, even you know when you buy really expensive <laughs> ingredients and you can see it just falling to the floor, and you think, "Oh my gosh, there's six dollars worth of flour that's just everywhere," <laughs> and that's just part and parcel. Mm-hmm. And uh, surrendering to that moment is what we need to do.
0: That leads us to our next key point, which is not micromanaging, and this is—I'll be honest—this is really hard for mm. me still, and. I think you and I are pretty relaxed parents and it's still pretty hard so it's uh, the aim is to try not to give solutions too quickly is to let them try and work that out and if that involves mess that can be really difficult but letting them struggle even with their whether it's their shoelaces or whether it's learning to
1: yeah it can even be helping them to work out their own sibling rivalry sometimes we need to just Mm. step back and Ask some open-ended questions and some probing questions or Mm -hmm. remind them where they need to come back to in order to solve the problem without solving the problem Mm -hmm. for them. I know that when my two need a problem solved, if I try and solve the problem because my mind's not in it, we don't get anywhere and someone ultimately gets upset. So if you can actually put the power back in their hands and allow them to come up with a solution that works for everyone a lot of the time, mm. it will can, it will resolve itself, and then they have those skills to resolve conflict respectfully.
0: Yeah, it can be as simple as as you were saying with the open ended questions is well, mm. what do you think, and why don't you have a go first, and then I can help if you, yeah. if you get stuck. So let's go through a few examples because this all sounds mm. really great, but I don't. I know that I need real life hard examples of times when these have worked for me to
1: actually, A, believe it's going Mm. to work and B, then to use it in my own life as well. So Uh, so we'll jump into some examples of what happens at forest school because we do get asked a lot of the time Mm -hmm. by children to help them. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, when we're soaring, so soaring can be a really fun activity, very purposeful. Children love it, but there sometimes comes a point where they're done or they're they're Mm. finding it quite challenging and they'll say, can you just do the rest for me? And, uh, or Mm -hmm. any other project that they have, they might be like, can you make this for me? I want to make a bird. Can you do this for me? Mm. And so often (laughs) we'll we'll say to them, this is actually your project and I'm not here to make it for you, but I can help you X, Y, or Z. And then if they need specific help, like I can jump on the Mm -hmm. other end of the saw with you to give you a a little bit of a break or to, to get through the wood, but I'm not going to saw it for you. Or we just can scaffold a little bit of the help without actually doing it for them and all all just simply outright saying, I've made lots of these before and it's your turn to make it. And also you'll feel so much more empowered if you make this yourself. You will enjoy the end product Mm. way more if you make it. Otherwise it'll be my project.
0: And we see that over and over Mm. again. When parents have helped their child with the project and and not taken over but finished the project for them, it can quite often get thrown to the wayside. But we have children that will take home wooden discs or logs with nothing else on them, purely because they persevered for yeah, half an hour sawing exactly. through these logs. And that was the project. And they, like you said, they feel proud and empowered That's that they've right. done it themselves. Mm. And on that, another thing that we do, whether we're soaring or whether we're trying to tie knots and build a cubby, something we might say if we get asked to help is, how about you try it first and then if you get stuck yeah. then we'll help then or I'll help if you need it but I absolutely believe that you can do this and that's sometimes enough for them to go huh yeah okay
1: and then if do they this. don't actually achieve that they might actually problem solve a different way of doing it because they they then mm. have that encouragement to do it themselves and they do realize that they don't want it to be our project they want it to be something that they've created for themselves
0: Another thing that we've both found really useful as well is having a visual checklist for the front of the door before we leave or in the bedroom or near the kitchen somewhere visible for the kids. Uh, If they're reading, obviously it can be a list, but for my one non-reader at the moment, the visual checklist is great. So before we leave the house, we must, and there is a picture of beds made, shoes on, hair and teeth brushed, and then just for for laughs is I've got and kiss your mum or dad whoever's at home (laughs) and that's been really great because they'll quite often come in and say oh just one more thing and then I get a sneaky kiss before we leave which is just really just another little way that we can connect in the day and maybe stop that oh my gosh we need to leave hurry up wear your shoes it's Oh, it's
1: just giving me a little kiss. Okay. Yeah, and then they've (laughs) gone through the list. It's really cute. We have uh, Mm. problems with forgetting shoes in our family. So the visual checklist has been very helpful for shoes and water bottles in particular, two things that they can take responsibility Mm -hmm. for. And another example that I've started doing with um, my children as well is asking them to pack what they would like for lunch. So it might be a bit different for other families, but for the most part because we homeschool, we all go out together and uh, Mm. I've found that we've tried different ways of making lunches work. So at the moment they get to make their snack box of the things that they like and that they will eat and then we have a shared bag as well which has got my food in there so I don't go without because sometimes children don't know how to portion control. (laughs) (laughs) especially if there's
0: something yeah, yummy in yeah
1: and, uh, and, and, and then that way they can be in charge of what they eat and then they can also have a look at they can know what they would will and won't eat during a day to make sure that they have enough food mm. so it's not always up to me
0: uh, and that stops that question as well mom i'm hungry yeah. what is there to eat yeah. even when you're out so well you know because you packed it yeah, so. exactly <laughs> Raising independent children is not easy, but let's be honest, it's the ultimate goal. Our job as parents is to give children roots and wings, roots so that they know they will always have a loving home and parents to turn to should they need it, and wings to fly out into the big, wide world on their own. And we don't want to raise children who are going to be codependent on their spouses we want to raise children who are able, capable, and can set firm boundaries so that they're not taken advantage of and so that they don't take advantage of others, including their spouses. To help do this, we need to communicate respectfully with our children. You can download our free words of empathy and validation cheat sheet at wildlingsforestschool.com slash free dash downloadables in those times when we need a little help to not swear under our breath at our children. In next week's episode, I'll be chatting with Catherine Celery, who is a parenting expert and focuses on on Conscious Parenting, Nonviolent Communication, EFT and Matrix Reprinting. We'll be talking about what we do that affects our children's self-esteem, how we can resolve conflicts and model collaboration and why that matters, and how we can develop family systems that encourage children to stay connected to their inner voices and why that matters.
1: We would love for you to share the love on your socials, subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And as always, we love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay wild.